This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Hey, man, let me give you a little history about this building we're in right now. Some of you, uh, probably a lot of you aren't aware of it. This church started in a chicken coop in Newberry Springs and then moved into this dance hall. What do you mean dance hall? This was a dance hall. Because the speakeasy. Fifty-some years ago, Pastor Long, he's the founding pastor. I talked to him about this place when I first came to California. And this, he came from the chicken coop to the dance hall. And he grew this place to 600 people inside this building. He had two services on Sunday morning, 300 people at each service. After we came here, we built this stage and stuff up here. So it used to be all wide open. We put the sound booth in so they had a little more room in here. Anyway, did that, got to where we are, and the vision God gave that founding pastor is still coming to pass at this church right here. Amen, amen. Got the bigger building, which was his heart's desire, and he ended up building one like that out in Newberry Springs, but we got the stuff, God's remodeling it, and I'll tell you what, we're going to impact this whole state from right here where we are. We're going to do what we do right here where we are, but anyway, I said about that is so cool that all the years the devil tried to kill this church with that man had it, other pastors had it, and here we are back in... This building here, but we got that building over there, and a whole lot more people do what God wants us to do. And we got that back in back there filled up with kids being influenced by the Holy Spirit and and the Word of God. We got the upstairs over there filled up with kids, nursery children, things like that being influenced by the Word of God. And, uh, you know, I, I I I don't watch the news much anymore at all, but man, oh man, oh man, the stuff I see, the devil's on the run trying to destroy this country. But you know what? We're not glorifying the devil. There's churches like this all across this land. There's believers. There's believers. And that's where the power comes from. You know, they uh, get all stirred up about black power, white power, goofy power, but the Holy Ghost power. That's the power that will overcome all the other powers. That's the power that counts. And that power works by love and by the knowledge of God's Word. By the knowledge of God's Word. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the Word of God. And so when you get faith, You've got to know that your faith only works by loving people. Amen, amen, amen. I, I guess that preaching was free, but have got to do it for a couple of weeks, so I, I got a volcano on the inside getting ready to spill over. Amen, amen. Uh, open up to Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. And if Mrs. Pastor would have went much further, I would have said, go ahead, you got the flow, you just keep with it, because I thought she was going to get into my stuff, which she started on. But it must be what the Holy Ghost wants to talk about. I know that he does. But Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, she started here. And the, for the notes that you're taking, the title is, How Jesus Sees You and Your Money. How Jesus Sees You and Your Money. How many believe that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is Jesus directly talking to us? He's talking to people and Jesus changes not. You know, the Jewish the Jewish things have changed in the New Testament. Now, we're New Testament believers in the Jewish laws. Uh, that's not what we live by. We live by the law of the Word of God. But Jesus is telling us principles that will live forever and ever and ever and ever. I'm, I'm not used to being a one, one-armed preacher. I usually got my mic on like that. kind of hard to go, so I might be slower, slower than you get to the Scriptures tonight. Okay, Matthew chapter 6. Verse 33, Jesus said this, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, 
And all these things shall be added unto you. And so Jesus tells us right there, he's not opposed to us having things. Amen. How many think a car is a thing? It is. A house is a thing. Your clothes are things. And this whole passage before that talk, talks about all the different things that we have need. I said, your father knows you have need of all these things. He says he knows you have need of all these things. And then you notice the verse right before verse 33, verse 32. It says the nations of the world seek after these things. Well, then Jesus said, no, don't seek after these things. You seek after God. He said, you seek after God and God will give you the things. That's so God's not opposed to the stuff. God's opposed to the stuff having you. God does not want things to control your life. God doesn't want things telling you if you can go to church or not. Oh, I can't, I, I can't make it for the next, for the next three months. I'm behind on my big truck payment. And so because of my big truck payment, my truck is my God for this season because I have to work to pay for my truck so I can have my truck so I won't be at church. But then the next thing you know, they're totally backslid. You wonder what happened to them because the thing got a hold of them. You know what? You could be a believer and have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful truck, big truck, four wheels on the back end, big trailer hitch, where you have to have a truck like my son all up in Alaska, where we have to have a milk case to get in it. <laughs> he got a big truck. But to get in that truck like that there, but the thing is, you could have the truck paid off putting God first, where that truck don't tell you what to do for your life. You tell that truck, you say, truck, you don't have me. I have you, truck. I don't need you, truck. I got you because I want you, but I don't need you. If I If I have to, I'll give you away, truck. Or I'll sell you and I'll put your money in the building fund, then you'll really give glory to God. <laughs> uh, Mrs. Pastor, you get that little note there I had wrote out there, blew away or something. I guess it disappeared. Anyway, we'll keep on going. Get to, get to Luke chapter 12. And this message isn't about staying poor and broke. It's about how to have money and stay spiritual. How to have money and stay spiritual. Luke chapter 12 is where we're going to be at for a while. Robert, I think we have to do a little more adjustment on this fan or something up here to blow my stuff everywhere. Luke chapter 12, verse 15. It says, And he said unto them, Take heed and beware. What do you do if you come up to somebody's house you want to visit? they got a big high fence. They got a a sign out there that says, beware of dog. You take heed and you beware of dog. And so Jesus said right here, got just that fellow bit more, somebody. Thank you. Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. He says, beware of covetousness. And we're going to talk about that more in just a minute. But I want to get back to that take heed and beware thing, because Jesus... This afternoon gave me an example I want to give you, and it works our Alaska trip in here, where it's always good to work the trip in when you're preaching, <laughs> especially when the Holy Ghost tells you. Anyway, up in Alaska, how, how many know what that ugly four-letter word is that's in Alaska? It's S-N-O-W. That's why we don't visit in S-N-O-W season. After October, we won't go up to Alaska. I was talking to my son-in-law on the way to the airport a couple nights ago, and he said he, he, he said in October, said this would be two foot of snow we're driving on. And I thought, well, in October, I'll be walking at two foot of sand. <laughs> Not quicksand, which is what I'm going to tell you about. 
We took Kiana, our daughter, our little granddaughter, for a walk one day last week. And we're walking. We wanted to go see the creek we'd seen driving past it a few times. So it was probably half mile, a mile away from the house. We walked through the woods along all, everywhere we could walk. And all of a sudden, Mrs. Pastor says, this ground feels kind of soft, doesn't it? I got to where she was. I said, yeah, it feels real soft. And the ground was sinking with us. And we realized that where we were was something like quicksand because the snow lays there all the time. And the ground slowly, totally saturated. And we talked to our son-in-law about it. He said, yeah, so that ground out there everywhere has so much it never goes away. It's just right under the surface all the time. And so I took heed. The one the sign said, beware. But my steps told me I'm getting off a of solid ground. And I don't know how much this stuff could suck on me. If we get up to my little granddaughter and my wife, I thought, man, I'm getting on a wrong road. We're going to back up. So we just kind of backed up. I walked around and we got solid footing again. And then we were okay to take our little hike, a little excursion, found the creek. It was fun and stuff like that. And so listen, what I'm, now listen I'm, going to, I'm going to give you an example the Lord gave me this afternoon for all of us here. There could have been signs there that said, take heed and beware of quicksand. And if somebody walked past those warning signs and they got sucked under and they died, nobody's fault but theirs. Probably couldn't even sue anybody because they couldn't sue anybody because they couldn't find them. You know, people today, they violate the size and they sue and make money. But if you're going to have quicksand, you probably couldn't sue. So anyway, I said that to say this. When I was reading this, this after going over my notes again, when Jesus said, take heed and beware, what he's getting ready to talk, us, talk to us about, you could be a Christian. Jesus getting ready to tell us a really good story right here. You could be a Christian walking on really solid spiritual ground. You could be a person that tells their people everywhere about Jesus you can come to church every service, be on fire for the Lord. Everywhere you go, you're a good witness. Whether you talk or not, people just see your light shining. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 16. He says, let your light shine. He said, let men see your good works to glorify your Father in heaven. But being a good Christian and on solid ground now doesn't mean you couldn't start making false steps. And all of a sudden, your ground is not so solid and you're being deceived. And you start to get sucked under, and you keep thinking, well, if I just keep on walking a little further, I'm about to get out of this. But when you start walking into things you shouldn't be walking into, you don't walk out of it, you get in deeper. And if you ever saw the old cowboy shows, you ever see those those guys give that stuff there, but they start going down, their hands are up, help, help, help. And if uh, Roy Rogers, the Lone Ranger, somebody throw a lasso, they go under. And so the thing is for us as Christians, here's what I'm getting to. Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus knows everything about everything. He knows about life. And Jesus is getting ready to tell us right here, take heed and beware of something. And so to me, when I hear somebody in authority such as Jesus Christ say, take heed, beware, all of a sudden my radar antenna goes up. Red flags start going up. I start thinking, wow, 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 wow. If there's something I'm supposed to be watching out for and guarding against, I'm going to find out what it is. I'm going to watch out and I'm going to guard against it. And so we know that Jesus said in Matthew 6:33, to put first the kingdom of God at his righteousness, his way of doing right and being right, and said all these things be done to you. So we know, we know what the will of God is. It's for us to put him first. And so uh, to be born again believers are like people that have never even been born again. They have the wrong goals and the wrong focus 
on success. On success. The world spells success money, things, accumulation. Go for more, get more, etc., etc. But Jesus told us to take heed, beware of covetousness. And I looked, I looked up some definitions of covetousness today. And I mean, there are all kinds of good stuff you know about. Don't, don't, don't go, don't go lusting after your neighbor's wife and don't lust after his, his oxen and all that stuff. You don't, don't want to take your neighbor's car and his house and all those things. My simple definition of covetousness is this, to love money and material possessions more than you love God. To trust money and things more than you trust God. You know, I, I, I can't tell you. Well, I, I'll give you an example. I watched a little bit of the news before I came in, and somebody said this is the 40th anniversary when the king died. I thought I thought the king died 2,000 years ago, but he was raised. But that's talking about Elvis. You know, Elvis thinks some good stuff, probably. I wasn't even an Elvis fan when he was living. Matter of fact, matter of fact, I lived within about probably 10, 10 miles, 5 miles, where he did his last concert in Indianapolis. And a bunch of the people I worked with were all big Elvis nuts, and they all went to the Elvis last concert thing. Everybody knew he was going to die. But what I'm getting to is this. How many thinks that Elvis had success as far as the world goes? I mean, he had the fame, the career. No, I'm saying as far as the world goes, not God. He had money. I saw something on the Internet a couple of weeks ago that they just sold his airplane after all these years. And that many years ago, his airplane had all this stuff in it. Now, fancy some airplanes today. He had that many years ago. But at 42 years old, Elvis went to eternity. And too many Christians still don't get it yet thinking that because they're going to get all the stuff, all the money, all those kind of things there, that they've got success. But Jesus has warned us about some things here. Somebody said, well, I'd never do what Elvis did. You might not do it at his level, but you do it at a lower level. No better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. And so, and so to me, covetous just means that you, you trust money and stuff as your security for your future. And I want to say this again. This is, this is not a message about having nothing going broke. Christians ought to have the best financial future by the whole world. Because Jesus said you put God first and He adds the things to you. Things would be a 401k. Things would be awesome health insurance. Things would be great pensions that you leave an inheritance. He said in Proverbs, leave an inheritance to your children's children even. To where you have lots of kids, leave them lots of stuff, and even to the grandkids of all your kids where you got a bunch left over. That's God's definition of taking care of a family, those kind of things. So this is not that at all. But I want you to hold your place and go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. First Timothy chapter six. Now we're going to look at verses nine through twelve. It says this But they that will be rich what that says is they that's number one goal is to be rich. He didn't say it's a sin to be rich. He said, they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and to many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil. He didn't say money is the root of all evil. He said the love of money. And the Greek literally says 
is the root of all kinds of evil. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And see, people twist these scriptures and act like money's bad. He never said money's bad. But he said, if you love money more than you love God, and you know what, I'll just, I'll just tell you outside this coin, another way to look at this verse, if the love of money is the root of all evil, then the love of God is the root of all good. Amen. I want to say that again. The love of money says is the root of all evil, but the love of God is the root of all good because when you love God and put God first with your tithes, with your offerings, with your servants, Jesus already told you Matthew 6.33, put Him first to give you everything anyway. So if you love God more than you love things, then God piles the things on you. Amen. Amen. I want to say it one more time. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. Just because we're in the little building and the pastor's starting to sweat, but he can't have the fan like you do because it blows his pages around. <laughs> we can still shout some. Amen. Amen. It says, well, while some have coveted after, there's that coveted again. Jesus said, don't be covetous. With some have coveted after, now look at this, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. It says, because people got on the money trail and not the God trail, then they're on a bunny trail. Amen. Got on the wrong trail. It said they erred from the faith. And, you know, I'll give you another personal example. I see in this here to me that I first had experienced and I saw. And I'll tell you what, I remember things that I see personally that happened in people's lives. Back in the early 90s, there's a man pioneered a church back in Indianapolis, about the same time we pioneered ours south of Indianapolis. And this man had a business degree. He came from a wealthy family. He was money smart. I never was money smart like that kind of stuff, like the college money smart. I learned through the school of hard knocks so I can manage money and balance my checkbook and take care of stuff. I don't do stupid stuff. I go out and borrow money I can't pay back, etc., etc. But this man had a business degree, and he pioneered a church in the wealthiest part of Indianapolis. It was a really, really, really very wealthy church in the wealthiest part of Indianapolis. He grew quick because he, he had money, business principles, knew how to negotiate and do things and make deals. And because of his status in the business community, he drew millionaires to his church. I went to, he let me go to one of his staff meetings one time. I sat there surrounded by, I know the guy sitting next to you because I'd known him personally before. He was a millionaire home builder in rich parts of Indianapolis. He was one of his staff members. And the other people were all business people. And this guy really, really, really had a lot going for him in that business arena. And how many know Kenneth Copeland is? Kenneth Copeland used to come to his church and preach. How many know Kenneth Hagin is? Kenneth Hagin went to his church and preached. Charles Capps. All, all the big guys, Marilyn Hickey, whoever was the big guys back then. This guy had a really wealthy, very good, big church. Drew a lot, a lot of people. And so anyway, I saw things that did. It was good. And I was kind of hanging around the guy just to pick up some points. I thought, man, you know, I'm, I'm a baby pastor. I don't know much. And, you know, this guy here has got a lot going on. I want to learn. And we went, Mrs. Pastor, I went up him to lunch one day up to where, the neighborhood where his church was. It wasn't a neighborhood. It was a, it was a rich area. I mean, rich, 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 rich. Even up there, Walmart was even rich. <laughs> it was a rich place. I love Walmart. That's all Walmart I've ever been into where you see ladies wear minks. <laughs> you know, they had some pretty rich people up at that. Area. So we was at lunch with him back in the early 90s, and it's the first sign of trouble I saw. We got done to eat and said, I'll pay for this. And he pulled out his credit card. This is the early 90s for all the credit card advertisements got big. 
about, you know, the different colors and symbols and all that kind of stuff that this some guy, guy pulls out his credit card and he went to pay for it. He looked at me, punched me like they look at this, said, I got elite status. I thought it's a credit card. And it had some kind of gold platinum stuff or something on it. Like I said, he said, I'm in the elite club, bragging about how much money he had, what he did. And I thought, what's wrong with you? What difference does it make what you got, what kind of credit card you got? Anyway, long story short, to the end of the story. His church didn't satisfy his needs, so he walked away from his church and it died. He went back to the business world, probably probably worth millions now. And a few years ago, I saw him on the Facebook. I thought, I'm going to friend him. So I friended him. And anyway, I noticed that every post he ever posted on there was never, ever, ever. I kept watching for some hint of spirituality. Not one thing about God, about Jesus, about spiritual things. Everything on there was about sports teams, ball games, all that kind of stuff. I thought, wait a minute. This guy here, a few years ago, was a major influencer in Indianapolis, Indiana. Kenneth Hagin, Kenneth Copeland, all the big spiritual people of America that I respected, the Word of Faith Circles, they came to his church, and now there is no church. And this guy's claim to fame is on Facebook about what all he knows, who he hangs out with now in this world. And so I think what happened there, according to what I see in the Word of God, he erred from the faith. And I'm very sure he knows right now that he pierced himself through many sorrows. Excuse me a second. Father, I bring him before you right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I ask you to bring that pastor back to his first love, back to his calling, Lord. Let him hear some of those sermons he preached to his people. Let him see some of the things the spiritual fathers taught to him and open his eyes to see what he needs to do to get back to where he belongs. Satan, I break your power over his life in the name of Jesus. And Father, I thank you for getting him back to where he belongs in the name of Jesus. Amen. Excuse me, excuse me. Yeah, that just, it's kind of a personal story to me. It wasn't a make-believe story. It's a real story. That guy probably had 500 to 1,000 people in his church back then on that part of town, and it was impacting that whole central part of Indiana in a big way. And so, whenever I see things happen to people that were very spiritual that I respect, I take heed lest it happen to me. And so, as we look at things tonight, I want you to think about yourself. Jesus said, take heed and beware of covetousness. And I want to say it again, Jesus is not against us having things, good retirements, money, cars, houses, clothes, educations for us, our kids, and everybody else like that. He just does not want those things to control our eternal destiny. Amen. That's what he's called us to do. Amen. And so anyway, he says, pierce himself through with many sorrows. And I think that everybody here can probably recall families that have been lost because one or two of the parents got some money hungry, they loved their jobs and things more than they loved their families, they never saw them anymore. Amen. Have you ever seen families split up over the love of money? But you know, at the same time, I want to say it again, you love God first and all the things the money buys. God said, I'll give it to you anyway. And so we don't want pierced through with many sorrows. And so he says, but thou, O man, or I'll say man or woman of faith of God, flee these things. Follow after righteousness godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, where they are also called, as confessed a good confession for many witnesses. So he tells us to flee these things. And so we as believers have to know that we have choices every day. You know, I was thinking about something 
I don't know how much all of you have flown on airplanes. We're not the super flyers, but we've flown quite a bit the last few years since been in California. But when you got when your airplane departs Fairbanks, Alaska at 11:59 p.m., that's an early flight. <laughs> and when you fly a few hours to Seattle, and then change planes to Seattle, get another thing, and you're flying all all night long till you get back to California, you lay there. I mean, you pray, you doze, and things happen. I just think about my life and people's lives that I know. And I was thinking about everybody in life, everything in their life goes back to decisions. Every decision we make hooks us up with something. And then we get hooked up that something, there comes a choice, a chance we get another choice again to make another decision about which way to go from here. Which way to go from here. And I think about something like this here in preaching. I'm thinking, you know, God gave me this today. It wasn't, I mean, I had something I really wanted to preach in another area of life. I said, now he starts giving me these verses. I think, wow, there could be some people here tonight God wants to talk to and get their attention about some things in life because he wants to help them. So tonight there will be decisions that people will make tonight. They'll think about some things. They'll look about some things. They'll weigh some things. They'll make a decision. And some people are going to think, that quicksand ain't too bad. doesn't feel that bad. That doesn't feel that bad. And they're going down, they're up to their knees. They don't even realize they're up to their knees. They're thinking, well, my money get me out of this. You know, if I just make more, get me out of this. That's what people think. Or some people are going to listen to it because they think, whoa, I see a pastor's talking about I'm going to back off just a little bit. Maybe tithing really does work. Maybe if I start tithing these things that I'm losing my family over, maybe, maybe God will start to take care of those things and I can have those things and my family. Amen. I'm just saying. Amen. You know, this new word I'm hearing all the time. I don't know if you guys hear it, but I'm hearing it all the time. I hope I don't start saying it. I'm going to say it right now. Is that spot on? <laughs> you might have been hearing that word lately. Where's that come from? <laughs> spot on. Somebody's here thinking, Pastor, you're spot on. <laughs> I like amen better if you don't mind. We're Christian church. <laughs> amen. And so anyway, he says, fight the good fight of faith. So I want to go back to Luke chapter 12. And we'll finish here in Luke chapter 12. And so we see in verse 15, Jesus told us to take heed, beware. And then he's getting ready to tell us what not to do. You know, sometimes, sometimes if you don't understand what to do, then it's just good to know what not to do. And so Jesus tells what not to do. Verse, verse 16 to 21, he says this. They spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And so he's talking to farmers then. Evidently he had farmers and agriculture type people in his circle he's ministering to. But that, that could be today any, any business you're in. You know, you, if you own a car wash, you know, like say, say that, that the car wash washed a lot of cars. It was really producing. Or wherever it is you work at, whatever your business is, whatever you do, say, man, that business was prospering. That business was doing great. And he said then, uh, he, this man thought within himself saying, what shall I do because I have no room where to stow my fruits? And you know, today it might be you start talking to financial people. I got to put my investments. I got to diversify. I gotta split this dough up. I got so much money. I don't want it just all one place. I'm making so much money. I don't know what to do. I gotta find more banks. 
I got to find more businesses. I, I got to find a better broker. I got to do something for all this money. And so this man said in this right here, Bob Manor comes another story, but how can I see this? Not okay. Uh, and he said, <laughs> this is a good one. And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there where I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, so thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? Not God. He said those things which thou hast provided. And then Jesus said, so is he that left up treasures for himself is not rich towards God. Okay. Oh, boy. This, these things are so real sometimes. You see, you can't get away from them. I was preaching out of this passage probably about 25 years ago back in Martinsville, Indiana on a Wednesday night. And I didn't know. And see, just like right now, all I see is all the faces out here. Some of you look happy. Some of you look sad. And some of you look phony. <laughs> you don't want to give away. You don't want to give away that Jesus is talking to you. So you just sit there like that. And every once in a while, a little, amen, amen. Think if I say that, maybe nobody knows me. <laughs> but anyway, back in our church, back in Indiana, I had this couple. He was like, I think he was 70 or 71 years old. I thought he was an old man, but I don't think he's an old man because I'm a little closer to that myself. But anyway, and his wife was in her 50s. And this guy had been a construction business guy. I mean, bulldozer, all the equipment, stuff like that. And I didn't know the guy had a property full of barns that he'd been built to put the stuff in. I didn't know it. <laughs> I was preaching. And uh, in, anyway, how much does this I can tell? Okay, i got a little bit of time. I, later on, after what i tell you what happened to his life, some of the stuff really makes sense. What not, what was did I, we're taking up the offering just like we do here. I said it's happy time, that kind of stuff. Times and offerings like that. And the guy would never want to give anything to God. I didn't know any of that stuff. And they lived way out in the country. I think it was seven miles out in the country away from where we were, where the church was. Out in the country. And him and his wife argued in the parking lot about tithing. He's a 70-year-old man. He took off walking in the dark and walked all the way home. Would let her ride right in the car. <laughs> Got so mad fighting her about tithing. And she was a tithing lady, and he wouldn't tithe. And so he got so mad and huffy, he walked home. Well, anyway, sometime after that, I got a call right before the Sunday morning service. Like, the service started at 10 o'clock, and like maybe 9.30 or quarter till, I got a call on the telephone in emergency from his wife. They were at the hospital. He just had a stroke. As right me time to start preaching. Well, you know, it's, it's, you know, usually the pastor, you don't take off like that, man. You got, you know, you send somebody. But the Lord, in my heart, I knew I've, I've got to go pray for this guy. As so I looked up my music minister, Stan, I said, hey, Stan, you ready to preach? He went, I said, i got to go. <laughs> so Stan preached. I got to the hospital. And when I got to the hospital, his, his, his family was already there, grown kids, everything like, you know, kids in their 50s and things like that. And as I gathered around his bed, the emergency room there, and they, they told me the doctor just talked to them, and he had blood vessels erupt in his head. Had said that chances are he would never wake up. If he did, he would be a vegetable and all that kind of stuff. And so, anyway, I went in there based upon my faith in Jesus, the healer, and obviously his, fight, his wife's faith in Jesus as a tither for God rebuking the devourer for her sake because she was a tither. And so we laid hands on him. 
And then within, I think, like three days, he was out of there. He went through rehab for a while because it goes through that. But then, after that, he could not wait to tithe. But he told me a story then. He said, Pastor, he said, one night, a couple months ago, on a Wednesday night, and then I remember when I preached it, he said, you were preaching about that man with the barns. He said, all the time I sit there in my heart, Jesus is saying, you're that man. He said, oh, I sit thinking right then, I've got my bulldozer out there right now, I get ready to build another barn. And Jesus said, you're that man. He said, your soul's going to be part of you soon. <laughs> that is heavy duty where the rubber beats the road, isn't it? And then he, he cried with tears in his eyes. And he told me the story about walking home, fighting his wife about tithing. He told me the story she did. He told me. He said, I want to tell you how anti-tithing I was. He said, he said, I was so stupid. He said, a while back, I walked seven miles home and my wife tried to pick me up even said, you fool, get in here. And I wouldn't do it. And he said, I realized now I wouldn't fight my wife. I was fighting God. And, and by the way, if there's any God robbers in here, that God robbers mean Jesus said, if you don't tithe, you're robbing God. That story wasn't in my notes. That came out okay. <laughs> I wasn't throwing that out for somebody. But that's a real life story I saw happen. And so that man then, he, he came out of that pretty much most of it. He got most of his healing back there where he was pretty functional. They bought a camper and began traveling around and doing some things like that. But I'll tell you what, the first of every month, that man was the first one to have his tithe in that offering. <laughs> and his wife too. And so anyway, it, it closes this out here. I want you to see us again what Jesus said. He says, verse 20, But God said, If thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee, then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that let up treasure for himself, as not rich toward God. And so what he's saying this is this, while you're planning and saving, while you're working and earning, just remember this. God said in Deuteronomy 8.18, said, I'm the one that gives you power to get wealth. That may establish my covenant. In Deuteronomy 8.18, he says, remember me when you're getting your wealth. And so to me what that's saying is this. Right now this building, you may not be able to tell, but we've got air conditioner going in here, but we got stuff cranked up and lights going. But at the first of the month, there's a man named Mr. Edison, not Thomas. And you know what Mr. Edison is going to say? He's saying, do you enjoy your lights and your air conditioner? Because yeah, he says, remember me. We say, okay, Mr. Edison, here's your light bill money. And God says in Malachi chapter 3, he says, hey, remember me? He says, all I want is a dime off your dollar, and I'll rebuke the devourer. I'll open the windows of heaven. People see you call you blessed. Remember me? Hey, man, that's what God said. And see, Jesus, right now, I want to make sure nothing gets twisted in your thinking. No way did I say or did Jesus say, God doesn't want you to have barns if you want barns. He didn't say that. He didn't say, God doesn't want you to have a good retirement with lots of savings in your account. He didn't say that. On the contrary, He said, remember me and I'll fill your accounts up. Remember me and I'll make sure you got plenty. Amen, amen. Flip the page. Well, mind you, flip the page. Go look at two more verses and we're done. Look at verse 31 and verse 32. Now, this is also a parallel passage of Matthew 6 where he says, Put the kingdom of God first. He says this, But rather seek ye 
the kingdom of God and all these things shall be subtracted from you. No. No, 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 no. God doesn't subtract. He adds to you. And that you fear not. Fear is the biggest enemy of tithing. What are we going to do if it don't work? First thing you do when that thought comes, you say, you lying devil, get out of here in the name of Jesus. The Bible says, let God be true, but every man a liar. God says it does work. says, you bring it in, I rebuke the devourer. I had no intention of preaching tithing tonight. This is just coming after this passage right here to help people see what God wants. He says, fear not, little flock. It's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And so, according to what God said to that man, he said that this day your soul is going to be part of you. When we die, God's not going to look at our bank account. When we got die, God's not going to look at how big our house was. He's not going to look at how new or shiny our car or truck was. God's going to look at our soul. What kind of shape was our soul in? And so we as Christians, we as Christians, let's look at money like Jesus looks at money. Jesus sees money is not good nor evil. Jesus sees money as something on earth that's needed. And like anything else in life, it could be abused or it could be used right. And so if we have the right attitude towards money, that all the things we'll ever need will have an abundance. We'll have overflow. Those financial faith confessions we make, we'll see those things come to pass in our life. We'll have abundance. So I'll just say this. If you are starting to step on a spiritual quicksand right now in your spiritual life because money is drawing you away from God, don't get out there so far you can't get back. Turn around right now where it's time. And you know what? I'll just throw one thing further. I believe it's by the Spirit of God. If I saw... Something had a snare on me, pulled me away from God, I'd give it away. I mean, I'd give it away, I'd throw it away, I'd do something with it, I'd sell it, but I'd say, no, you're not going to have a hold on me. I guarantee you, because Jesus said, give it, it shall be given unto you. Good measure, press down, shake, you got to run it over. If you give something away in the name of Jesus, you're going to get multiplied back to you, as he said. So, amen. So let's have the right attitude, like Jesus said about our money. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.